guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And it's talking Twins time, which means Zolgad, Jake DePew, and executive producer extraordinaire Declan Goff, as we are now, Jake, at the All-Star break. We are, I believe, approximately two weeks away from the trade deadline, which is going to fall on Friday, July the 30th. And uh, despite the fact the Twins just swept a four-game series from the woeful Detroit Tigers, the reality is that the season is done. But that doesn't mean the interest is done, uh, because there's certainly going to be Trade talks picking up. Nelson Cruz, you got to think, is gone. Andrelton Simmons, you got to think, is gone. I don't think Josh Donaldson goes un- unless they basically give him away because they're, you know, if they give, if they trade him to a team and get something back, they're certainly going to be expected to pick up part of the contract. I think Jose Barrios stays. Let me run past you, the guy that I've become more and more convinced they're going to trade. And I think as much as it might hurt, I think it also makes some sense. Taylor Rogers. Taylor Rogers is going to turn 31 in December. So unlike Brielle's, he's not that young now. He is a aging reliever where as bad as Twins Bullpen has been, a lot of teams are confident they can ordinarily find guys. He also, and this is where it gets sticky, and I know that people are going to say cheap poll ads, but it's a reality. He also, like Brielle's, is arbitration eligible this offseason and then a free agent after 2022. My thinking is this. Age combined with the Twins' fear that if this does go to arbitration this offseason, Taylor Rodgers might get paid pretty well on a one-year deal. And I don't think this is a team that's going to want to sign a guy going into his age 32 season long-term. I think there's a really good case to be made that Taylor Rodgers is a former twin after July 30th. What do you think of that hot take? Oh, I don't think that's a hot take. I mean, I, I think there's probably, in my view, a better than 50-50 chance that he does get moved for all of the reasons that, that you just said. Um, and I think a good comp for that trade, if they were to make it, is Ryan Presley. Presley, of course, was not uh, an elite reliever um, when he got traded and turned into an elite reliever with Houston literally the like the day after he got traded. He became like unhittable with Houston, and Houston unlocked all of these uh, all of these things and Presley that the twins can do for years. Uh, and now he's one of the best relievers in baseball and an all-star this year. Um, so if you look at that trade, uh, Presley had one and a half years left of team control, just like Taylor Rogers does now. Uh, they got Jorge Alcala, Alcala uh, and Celestino, Gilberto Celestino back in that trade right now. That's looking like a really bad trade for mm-hmm. the twins. You know, I mean, Alcala has potential for sure, uh, but he's been pretty bad this year. Um, and certainly uh, is nowhere near the level of uh, anything close to, to what Ryan Presley has has done these last few years. Um, and then Celestino ha- has potential for sure, um, but it's sort of wait and see mode for him. Uh, he's in a little bit over his head, I think. Right now, he should he should be a Triple A getting at bats. But uh, the fact that Presley's turned into this super elite reliever and that the Astros were able to get get that out of him when the Twins couldn't um, is a bad look. But so if you think about the return for for Taylor Rogers, uh, it has to be more than that. You know, I mean, they got a they got a, a starter at the time, Alcala, who turned into a reliever, and then a you know a center field prospect near the bottom of the the top thirty in the organization. So, I don't know what you guys think. I think they need to get a borderline top one hundred prospect in order to move Rogers because he's elite right now. Um, and if you're going to move him with team control left, you need to get a legit arm. You know, not an organization's best starting pitching prospect. I'm not saying that, uh, but someone 
uh, who's, you know, in the top five in the organization and, and maybe, you know, right at the edge of, of a top 100 overall prospect and then some throw ins. Uh, after that but i don't know what do you guys think is that a fair return for taylor rogers yeah, yeah i think you could definitely get like a fourth or fifth organizational prospect for him someone always overpays for relievers and to be honest relieving is something you should always be stacking up on if you're a contender going into it uh into the postseason i mean that that is the most obtainable thing someone's going to overpay when i look at the trade deadline you know you don't have to as much as we've been calling for trades and you know at least listen to these offers i think the twins would be foolish not to at least walk away with like you said jake at least two like top 100 prospects, if not like organizationally wise from other teams, like at least one or two top five prospects from other teams. Um, I think someone was going to give a good amount for Nelson Cruz, but Taylor Rogers is probably going to get you more, more in return because he still has that year of team control. And uh, I can see him helping a team down in the postseason as being an elite arm in a high leverage situation. So yeah, I would, I would be shocked if they are not able to get at least two top 100, if not top five organizational prospects from another team. I agree, but Jake, I will ask you this question because it becomes important now. You referenced the Presley trade. So, that being said, you know, Dex is right. The question is this. How much do you trust Derek Falvey to get the right guy? Like, what did the 2018, because that was a purge. What did the 2018 purge do uh, to, because that that's now what we can look at, right, and say that's the point of reference. We now have that. We didn't in 2018. So, Jake, as a guy who follows the Twins farm system probably far closer than Declan or I do, what is your faith if the Rodgers trade is made and they do come out with a guy that looks, oh, man, this guy might be good, that they're going to get it right? Well, my faith is not that high right now <laughs> because because right. they haven't they haven't done a good job at all at the trade deadline. Uh, the, the one good trade they made was Escobar. They got uh, Durant, Jahan Durant back in that trade. That was a good trade for sure. Um, but other than that, I, I, you know, their their trades haven't been very good. We've talked about 2017. Oh, they sold their they traded away their closer for nothing and then made the playoffs. We talked about 2019. Uh, those those trades, the Romo trade was fine. Uh, that was a solid. Yeah, that, that was a solid trade. Uh, uh, but uh, Sam Dyson was a, a terrible trade, uh, obviously. And um, yeah, I mean, there, there have been others that haven't gone well. So, I mean, when you look at, I, I, I guess for me, I look at the Presley trade as, as the closest comp because you're trading a reliever with team control, of, you know, for prospects. And, and so far that that doesn't look good. So, no, I don't have a lot of confidence right now uh, because until it's like we were talking about last week. You know, it's this is just an objective, in my opinion, an objective analysis until they actually show us evidence that they can do these things well, like make trades and develop starters. Then I have it would be disingenuous to say that I have a lot of faith in them to do that because they haven't done it yet. You know, once they do it, I'll say I have faith in them. But we need to see the actual evidence first. So um, I don't know what choice we really have. I mean, you know, I mean, they're going to make trades. So well, we don't have one. You're right. Yeah. But. But no, am I super confident that they're going to be, you know, any, you know, like the Tampa Bay Rays who always seem to to make amazing trades, you know, they're no, they're nowhere near that level right now. So, uh, no, I, I don't have a ton of confidence. Do you? I mean, 1000%. No, the problem is that I do think the trade would probably be the smart move to make because if yeah. you're, if you're not going to bring back Rogers, if you're just going to bring it back for 2022, and again, I will continue to say this, we don't even know how much of a 2022 there's going to be. So if you are just going to bring it back for 2022 and then allow him to walk as a free agent after that, then I think trading him at the deadline in July of this year makes a lot of sense. Um, 
I just thought to I, I said eighteen. I meant seventeen. I thought from the guy from the trades that they made at that time that we would be seeing far more res, uh, positive results by now, and we're really not. And that's the thing that concerns me. And I think it's flat out fair to ask now, and this is a this is an incredible thing to say based on why Derek Falvey was hired. I think it's very fair to ask what's this organization's ability to evaluate pitching, which is what we thought was going to be the strength. Like we thought that was going to be the uh, the difference between the old school twins and these twins. So I don't have a ton of faith. I don't have much actually right now at all. But that being said, I also don't think that that can probably stand in the way of you making what might be a smart trade, especially with your team hopelessly out of it and battling in this weird little tournament that the Royals, Tigers, and Twins seem to have to try and avoid being the most pathetic team in what is no question a pathetic division. This division stinks. And, you know, the Tigers series might have been fun, but it doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, and just to clarify, I think we could lump both 17 and 18 into this group, right? 17 is when they traded Kinsler and they made the playoffs. 18 is when they traded Escobar and Dozier and Presley. Uh, both of those deadlines kind of played out the same way. They, the, the Twins were kind of on the losing end of that, again, other than the Eduardo Escobar trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the, the results have been extremely underwhelming at, 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 in basically all of these trades, trade deadlines. Um so it's <laughs> they just have to prove us wrong, and until they do, then we'll keep criticizing them for it. So, um, but what do you? So who else? What do you guys think? Like who else is going to be moved besides besides the obvious? So, so to me, Nelson Cruz and Andrelton Simmons and probably Hansel Robles are, are basically guaranteed to be moved, right? I mean, there's no reason to keep those guys on the team. But who are some other names? I know you don't, you guys don't think, or at least Judd doesn't think Barrios is going to be traded. I think he will be. Um, but who else do you think gets moved, and, and and are there any surprises in there? So Dukes has reported that we shouldn't expect this to be a fire sale, and I think that the Twins might be willing to borderline go fire sale, but I think where Doogie's right, and, and this goes back to my Barrios theory, is is I think their asking price is going to be so high. And here's part of the problem, and I get it. What we just talked about is going to make any sensible human being gun-shy so, so you know, you have not, for the most part, in what you would consider your big deals, gotten the necessary bang for your buck back, right? Like you're banking on prospects, um, and you've gotten guys back, but they're certainly not developing at the rate that you expected. So if you're going to trade Barrios, you're going to ask for a ton and almost try and make sure that, that you're insulated to where the players that you get back are sure things. Um, I think you could trade Donaldson if you gifted him to a team. And picked up a little bit of his salary, but basically just said, take him, give us a low-level prospect back. I don't know that they're going to swallow hard and do that. So I think it's Dex. I think it's Cruz. Mm -hmm. I think it's Simmons. Mm -hmm. I think it's Rodgers because that's doable. I think it's Robles. But after that, I'm not so sure. The only ones that you didn't listen, and this one I think is it's more likely that it happens in the winter than it is um, in a couple weeks of the deadline. But Max Kepler, mm, can someone yeah, yeah. can someone take a bait on? Because he's he is now playing better since he's coming back from injury. He looks more like the traditional Max Kepler, a guy who doesn't hit for average well, but draws a ton of walks, has some pop. He's an athletic outfielder, and in twenty two twenty three, he's only on the hook for six point seven eight and a half. So basically, he's on the hook for thirteen million dollars the next two years. And if Max Kepler is who he is right now, 
I would probably take a bet, bet that I can get a pretty decent player out of that for 13 mil. He does have a team option in 2024 for 10 or a $1 million buyout. So the team can basically say, all right, if this doesn't work out or we don't believe in you to give you another contract when you're in your 31 season, all right, two years of Max Kepler is pretty good there. I'm curious if someone does take a bait on there. I've, I've always been more bullish on Kepler. Um, I think he, he is a little misunderstood with his batting average. I think he draws some good walks. His splits have always been so weird where he couldn't hit left-handed pitching to save his life for the first four years, and all of a sudden he figured it out, and now he's kind of back to being unplayable against left-handed pitching. But I think he brings enough to the table, and he's proved enough that for $14 million for over two years, by the way, so basically a $7 million per I think I would I would take it if I'm a franchise team looking for a corner outfielder. And by the way, the Twins have op- need to put players in these corner positions. I wouldn't I wouldn't be hesitant to trade them. I think it's more likely in the winter, but I'd be curious if someone picks it up and makes it happen in, in at the trade deadline. And here I told I totally agree with you, and it's a great point about Kepler. And like you said, they have two guys that are basically almost like Kepler clones right yeah. now, right? Kir- Kirilov and Larnick, and those guys are are going to be here the next seven years i think right that they're cornerstones uh the fact that they're hitting as well as they are in their rookie year um is impressive so if kepler's expendable the question is who do you trade him to and i look at the braves right now so the braves are what four or five four or five games back maybe in the east and they just lost acuna for the year with that acl there which sucks yeah Mm -hmm. it sucks for the game sucks for everyone but they have a need now in right field um so i wonder if the braves would be a good match uh, to get Kepler. Kepler, he's not, he's, he's like Dex said, he still has multiple years left on his contract. So maybe it's not a perfect fit, but if they're looking to make a push this year and they want to, you know, insert, uh, uh, you know, a, a legitimate MLB starter into their lineup, Kepler could, could work for them. So, but yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do something with him, right? I mean, they've, they've got Kirilov and, and Larnik, uh, they've got Royce Lewis coming, uh, and, and even guys like Brent Roker are, are depth, you know? So, I mean, he, he's definitely, uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think you're right. I think it makes more sense probably in the winter. But again, if there's a, a team with an obvious need like the Braves, uh, it could happen. It could happen this this year. Pineda is another guy, but I just don't know what they'll get for right. Mike yeah. Pineda at this point. I agree. Yeah, he, he's been hurt. Colome has rebounded a little bit, but he's been such a bust. I don't yeah. think you get a thing for, yeah. for him. The thing on Kepler that I'm a little bit curious about is this. One, I do agree that they would move him for the right price. Two, I'm with Dex. I think it would be a wintertime move, probably more than a deadline move. But that contract is so fit favorable to the team. I, you know, and they are the twins. I wonder if they would hold on to him because he and Polanco, you know, signed such good contracts as far as the team goes. The other thing too is I think we have to be pre- prepared for the eventuality that Sano is going to be out. And so Kirloff, who made a great play in the 10th to save Tyler Duffy's bacon yesterday, I think is the first baseman of the future. The one Sano factor I've become curious about, because I've seen this bandied about, and I don't know if it's true or not, because patience-wise, I mean, he's he's gone to a platoon. They lifted that for a couple days um, against the Tigers, which I didn't get, and actually started him against righties, where and then he struggled again. I think he went 0 for 6 with like four strikeouts, but... Are they going to give Sano a chance to replace Nelson Cruz as the DH next year, or are they going to plug him in as the DH for the rest of this year? I really think there's a fighting chance that Miguel Sano is not on the opening day roster in 2022, if there is one. And so, therefore, Kepler might stick around and play a corner outfield spot because Kirloff is going to graduate uh, or play first base. And then Rooker, 
very well. I wouldn't be shocked if he is in some type of platoon or if he is the DH um, when Cruz is gone in 2022. Yeah, but what are they going to do with Sano? I mean, they they owe him, what, like 9 or $10 million next I think they're going to cut like him that. loose. I think they're going to find a way. I, I think they'll find a taker. Um, I mean, he's not due that much where it's going to break your bank. Uh, and I just I don't see how you keep going down this path of the same thing. Like every time they think that there's a turnaround, right? Like Miguel got hot. He he, he hit a couple balls to the wall. Let's play him against the right hander. He strikes out three times or two times. Um, I just don't I don't know how much patience they have left. And I'm not blaming them for that. So that's what I I think that they might just basically jettison him and say it's a lost cause. At this point, he can hit home runs. But, I mean, Jake, you look at the big at-bats he has, you look at how many times you need him, or you think you do, and he does something either dumb or has a terrible at-bat. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not defending the the performance of Miguel Sano. I mean, you know, he's he's been really bad this year. All I'm saying is I have a hard time seeing them eating like $9 million or whatever it is. I, I, to me, I think it's more likely they plug him in at DH the rest of this year with once Cruz is traded. And then the first half of next year, if he's still terrible, uh, the first half of next year, then you, you either try to move him or just cut him loose. But I just, that's a lot of money for the twins to eat. You know, this isn't the, this isn't a big market team. Um, I, you know, he's been what replacement level at best this year, you know? So I, I, he's a platoon player. Would, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just performance, absolutely. Although we're, you know, you could say the same thing about Kepler until two weeks ago, um, and he's getting really hot now. But he has more of a track record than than Sano, I guess. But um, I, I just don't see them eating that much money. Like I agree with you on from a baseball perspective, totally. I mean, he, you know, he, he's a platoon player at best, like you said. But uh, it, that that's a lot of money for the Twins to eat. I think they're still going to try to get something out of him. Uh, but it's it's they're in a bad spot. They signed him to an extension. But, I don't know why they signed him to an extension. How does he place. work at DH though? That's my question. I mean, his be- his best job right now, the job he does best, is first base. It's it's weird to think that he honestly could now go to a National League team because he can play first. Yes, he like I would right. have never had thought that too. Like no. uh, even a year ago, let alone two years. ago. And he ago. can play some third. Like you could plug him in there. You're right, Dex. Yeah, I mean, you, you are right. So maybe it's possible that they gift him to another team, just like we we're talking about with Donaldson, where they just say, take on half his contract and give us back a low level prospect and just wash your, wash your hands of him. Um, so I think that's possible, but I think if they don't trade him, I have a hard time seeing them just DFAing him and, and eating all that money. Yeah. I could see them in, in the winter. I, I don't think he's, I do not think he's gone at the deadline. So I'm saying I could see him in the winter being traded basically but it's just it's it's essentially saying we've tried we've done everything we possibly can it's just there's just so many destructive at bats now i mean they're just rally killers right and it's always the same thing he always like looks amazed that he made an out like the twins so that this twins team just a side tangent here this twins team has some weird it reminds me of 2018 type things so no his lost puppy dog look of what happened? How did I strike three really? And it's like, dude, you struck out again. Um, and the other one that I just it drives me nuts. And I'm, I'm not the first person in the market to mention this. The other one that just kills me is Hansel Robles. When he gets a save acts like he's on the 60 or the 27 Yankees. Like the amount of celebrating that Robles does when he, it's like, dude, your team stinks. You have not had a good year. Like, it's cool you got to save, and I'm not saying don't celebrate, but, like, watch the 
theatrics you get. And it's like, do you have any sense of how bad this team is? I'm not saying that it can't be fun. You know what? Polanco, homers, the team jumps around, no problem there. But Robles does these self-serving celebrations, like closed it out again, guys. It's like, what are you doing? Like, why? It's different if guys come up right and high five you and stuff, or the outfielders, if they win, like jump up and all spin around. No problem with that. I'm all for fun. But when you're doing this self serving, yeah, yeah, closed out, got another save, didn't I? It's like, you know how bad this team's been? And by the way, buddy, you have not been that great. Well, and I think there's a difference between Jorge Polanco, who's been an outstanding player on this team for sure. a long time and is a big part of the team and is having a good year hitting a walk-off home run and celebrating uh, versus, like you said, a guy who they brought in who really hasn't had a very good year um, <laughs> doing that. You might have to have a little bit more self-awareness. That said, generally, I don't have a problem with any of that because baseball needs a lot more of that. Sure. And I think I think if you if you start – sort of legislating between guys who can do it and guys who can't do it versus like based on how the team is doing. Like, I totally get what you're saying, but I also think just the general trend of moving in that direction is a good, is a good thing for baseball. I think the thing about baseball celebrations is this, when your teammates look at you and they're like, dude, what are you doing? It's a bad idea. When they join you, it's like, Oh, cool. Like, like Polanco, right? Because that was an over the top, you're not that good, but it was fun. And he hit a home run to end a crazy game. And I think Polanco's a fun guy. Like, I think Polanco gets it. So I was like, that's cool. Good for him. Good for them. Um, but I think guys look at Hansel celebrating and they're like, huh? What are you doing? So baseball needs baseball needs fun, but it also needs guys who are, like, aware of what the sport's about. And it's just this Twins team, there's certain things about the, th- this team. I mean, this goes back to the Donaldson thing. You know, it's not sticky. It's not sticky. Okay, that's great, dude, but your team stinks. Like, this is, like, go to the media all you want and harp on this. I, I like that. Um, but don't but don't act like, and I think, guys, I think his teammates looked at that again. Like, what? What are you saying? We suck. Look at our record. So I do think that there's a difference between self-celebration mode and what involves your team, which is which baseball does need badly. Did Did you hear what Morneau said uh, on a broadcast a, a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about that 2011 team where they won and they won a walk off to avoid losing 100 games no. in the last game of the year? I remember that. And he said he said all the guys were jumping around, and he said something to the effect of like that was the most embarrassed I've I've been on a baseball field because we shouldn't be jumping around He's celebrating. Right avoiding losing a hundred games. And that was That's the, that point. was the, that was the fun bunch, right? You remember the fun yes. bunch? Luke Hughes. Uh, Luke Hughes. Uh, Danny Valencia. I, Valencia, I guess was on those teams. Yep. Plouffe, who I really like, um, but Plouffe was on those teams. Uh, you know, some guys like Renee Testoni and I, I don't know who that. was technically in the fun bunch and who wasn't, uh, but I, I'm with more. No on that one. That's a pretty ridiculous uh, reason to like, be jumping around. The Star Tribune so, ran a picture the next day after that win, and and it looked like they, honest to God, yeah, had, had clinched a playoff spot. I know what you're talking about. Hey, kids, how's the water? It's full of weeds. I can't move my 
legs. Uh, your arms are free, right? Yeah. yeah. Wave them around. It's fun. Are you kidding me? This can't be happening. This is Jamie from the Aquaside Company. Clear your water completely. Destroy weeds, algae, and the muck that's preventing you from enjoying your waterfront property. We know your time in the water is precious. We're the Aquaside Company. Call 800-328-9350 or visit Aquaside.com. State permit may be required. Yeah. Guys with their yeah, that- hands up, extended, <laughs> running around. They avoided 100 losses. That's my only point is have a sense of, what, of where your team's at. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Absolutely. Okay, Jake, you sent me this in our prep notes. Fangraphs has the Twins at a 1% chance to make the playoffs. Yes. So despite the sweep of Detroit tackling off, Fangraphs has the Twins at a 1% chance, which, by the way, sort of surprised me. I thought it might be... Negative eight point five, but one yeah. percent chance. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's pretty pitiful. Oh, go ahead. No, you got to say it's ahead. it's pretty pitiful because last week, what was it? Last week or two weeks ago, like it was like ten, like it creeped back up to ten afterwards, and it was just like the kind of people got excited again. It's like, dude, it look at look at what has happened. They they just swept the Tigers. They've been beaten up on the Tigers. The White Sox took like what six of eight over them over the over the last week as well, and they beat the Tigers four in a row. And it's like, yeah, it doesn't do anything for our prep playoff projections. You guys are still one percent chance. You'd have to win. Bill did the math, like fifty three and nineteen yeah. to get to ninety three wins. Like that is, I, I know, like the 06 team pulled off something similar. Oh nine was insane down the last thirty games. There's, I don't see any chance that they can do something similar to get to ninety wins. If they got to eighty two wins, it would be pitching. a remarkable stretch. No, no way with this pitching. No, I, I completely agree. But I want to go down this path for one second. Sure. Just, just let, let's just like live in like a fever dream for one second and say, all right, if we were looking back, if we're looking ahead three months from now and the Twins have somehow miraculously made the playoffs, how would it happen? Mm-hmm. Right? How would it happen from this point? And so I think what they have to do, I, I tweeted this yesterday. There are 15 games between now, uh, between the All-Star break and the trade deadline. They have to go 13-2 and two to get to 500. Right. So they, so they have to come out and basically sweep the four game series from Detroit, take three or four from the White Sox, uh, take three or four from the Angels and sweep Detroit again. If they do that, they get to 500. Maybe, maybe the front office doesn't sell. Uh, and then and maybe they acquire some some bullpen help and uh, and call up Josh Winder and call up Duran and go on some big run in the second in the second half. This is not going to happen. I'm just saying. If we're looking at like just ridiculous scenarios, that's what has to happen. They have to go at least thirteen and two or fourteen and one um, in this two week stretch for them not to sell, right? And then continue that against some of the best teams of baseball in August. That's the problem, right? Right. So if you come out of the break and you go to Detroit, you play four games, including a double header in three days. Let's say you win three or four there. Okay, so now you've won what seven of eight, and you're excited, and of course. The key to that is it's seven of eight against the Tigers. So then you go to the White Sox. You got to sweep them because you're not going to be convinced of a thing until you sweep the White Sox. Okay. So let's say you do that. Then you get Otani and the Angels, who aren't a great team, but he's ha- having a phenomenal year. And I don't know how your pitching is going to hold up against that team. And then, Jake, what you're saying is, and you brought this up a couple weeks ago, and it's the best point. Then you get into the meat of a tough schedule. Because when you struggled for the first two plus months, go back and look at the bad teams that you had a chance to beat and you didn't beat. That's the most incredible thing. Like the one thing that you might have optimism about is if you said, whew, April and May and part of June in the rearview mirror, look at all those killer teams that we played, right? Like it was tough. It was tough. But now, now it's the Orioles and, you know, just take your pick of bad teams. But Jake, you're, you were right. 
they went through the heart of what should have been the easiest portions of their schedule and somehow were terrible. I mean, that's the thing about the 2021 Twins that's such an indictment. When you should have been stockpiling wins to then have in your back pocket for August and September, you are losing to teams that aren't good. That's exactly, I mean, that's exactly right. They had one of the easiest schedules in baseball and one of the worst records. So, and this is obviously not happening, but if you just want, as a Twins fan, if you want to hold on to hope, because hope is a good thing, even when it's uh, not realistic, then you can say, okay, if they go on some huge run um, in the next two weeks after the All-Star break, maybe, maybe they can get to a point where they're like five games back. But even then, if the front office didn't sell, it would be a terrible decision. And I think they'll start selling probably immediately after the all-star break. So this is a non-issue. I just wanted to go down that path for a minute since, since we're like 99.9% critical on here this year, as we should be. I was going to say, how can we not be? How how can we not be? How how can anybody not be extremely critical of this team uh, when you go into the season as at least co-favorites to win the central and certainly, uh, you know, a favorite to make the playoffs and you're one of the worst teams in baseball. So it it is what it is. Last thing twins take, uh, fireballing youngster Chase Petty with their first-round pick, 26 overall, from the same town and actually went to the same high school as Mike Trout, was drafted with the 26 pick, which, amazingly, Mike Trout was, too. Um, I think it, I think it was conflicted. I think they're rival high schools, but, like, oh, same town. Like, okay. same, I think he was, like, yeah. the first, like, he's only, like, the third New Jersey player to be taken in okay. the first round since or something. So, Chase Petty is the pick. Now, what's interesting here is twofold. One is... Despite the fact that he's known as a pitching guru, which he obviously has not been, Derek Falvey has, for the most part, drafted a lot of bats with his first-round picks since becoming the Twins' uh, now what chief baseball officer, or, or I'm sorry, president of baseball operations. The second thing is Chase Petty is a high school kid, which means this is going to unfortunately take some time. Jake, your thoughts on the fact that the Twins felt emboldened enough, despite the despite their complete lack of success in 2021, to take a kid who won't be up for probably what's fair four or five years, three at least, at, at, at least. least, yeah. I mean, yeah. three, yeah, three is a fast I, track, right? Yeah, right. I mean, that's if everything. So, goes so let's perfectly. say four years. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a really interesting draft pick because. That tells me, I have no idea. It's the MLB draft, right? Like almost like nobody knows anything about any of these kids. You know, I like, so I'm not going to evaluate the draft, the, the pick itself, other mm-hmm. than he's a fireball or whatever. But what this tells me is that Falvey feels completely comfortable with his job security. I think if, if you are, you know, being told by ownership or whatever, if you're really feeling pressure, like you have one or two years here to, to figure this out or you're gone, you don't take a high school pitcher in the first round. Right, who's not going to be here for like Declan said, three years at the very, very best, and probably four or five. So that tells me that they feel like they're here for the long term, and there's no real pressure on them. And that jives with an interview with with Paul, Jim Polite. So Jim Polite went on with Chris Atterbury um, over the weekend, and and Atterbury basically asked him like, you know, you hired who you thought were the best people for you know baseball ops. You know, referring to to Falvey and Levine, and he's like, you know do you have anybody that you can go to to kind of evaluate, to check their own performance, to evaluate their performance? And basically what he was getting at is, you know, some people are think, are saying that Valvin Levine aren't doing a good job. Are you evaluating that in any way? And Polat basically said, no, I don't know of any resources to evaluate them and said in the interview that he still has full confidence in them and, and, and all of these types of things. So like that, that to me is not good. 
Like, even if these guys are doing a great job, that wouldn't be good. You, sh- you shouldn't just give unchecked power to the front office with no threat of losing their job. And we saw with Terry Ryan, who was an unbelievable GM in his first tenure and his second tenure, I think, was not good at all. And that went on way too long, you know? And it seems like maybe the same thing is going on here. Again, I'm not saying that they should be fired, but I do think it's a situation where they should be given, I would give them like one more year to write this ship. Because it hasn't been it hasn't been good in terms of their decision making, um, and so the fact that Polad is basically saying, oh, you know, I trust them completely," I don't think that's good. I don't think that's a good situation. So here's my question off that: Then, what is the checks and balances for uh, postseason evaluation of baseball ops and Rocco and the coaching staff? That's my question. So if Jim Polad, which is not, I agree with what you said. I'm not surprised. Like, I didn't think that Jim had an evaluation technique. I mean, Terry Ryan had a lifetime contract until he was fired. So, and that doesn't, that's a very contradictory thing. You have a lifetime contract, but now you're fired. Um, So I'm not surprised by Jim Polad telling Chris that. But my question is, and this goes back to my question after every season of every team, but it's especially true with the Twins. Sometimes it's a small question. Sometimes it's large. This time it's large. What did you learn from this and how, when, what changes most importantly are you going to make to rectify the mistakes? Now, previously the last two years, I think my biggest, what what did you learn question was to Rocco and the front office about decisions made when it came to starting pitching in the playoffs, because I still think it's inexcusable that Maeda and then especially Barrios in the two losses to the Astros last fall were both yanked pre- prematurely while pitching well for a bullpen that wasn't nearly as reliable as the Twins somehow thought because they brought in the wrong guys. Uh, this time, my question is much broader, Jake. It's a question of what have you learned from this complete disaster and meltdown? And look, a lot of your problems are self-inflicted. Like you made a lot of bad moves here. Alex Colomay. It's your job to have a feel for where he he's at. Robles has not been awful, but I'm sorry. That was not a signing where we all said this is going to work, work out great. I think he had a 10-something ERA with the Angels last year. So that was a, a roll of the dice, and it's worked out okay, but he's certainly not a great um, closer type of, of – I mean, he's a pitcher who you can get by with. But there's a lot of problems here. Sano's disintegration, which, by the way, is now in its second year. So my question to Falvey, Levine, and Rocco is, what have you learned? Because if you're going to come back in 2022 and bang your head against the wall again, that's not really a a solid strategy. If you're go- going to say, well, what we did should have worked, that's not a strategy. That's just a recipe for more problems next season. Yeah, and I, I, I agree. And I'm just getting really, I'm getting a little tired of, this narrative that like these guys have done an amazing job and and we shouldn't question them. Like if you look at what they've done, this is year six, right? They've made the playoffs three times. One of those times they traded at the deadline and then lost a wild card game. And, and, and then two other times they got swept badly. It, they weren't competitive. They're Owen six in the playoff in playoff games. And they've had three seasons uh, where the team has, has drastically underperformed. Right. Um, I'm sorry, uh, two seasons, 18 and 18 and 21, right? Because it's 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, so this is year, f- uh, year five. Um, so like, what what have they done? Like they've improved systems behind the scenes. That's what we're told. I'm sure they have. 
Um, you know, I, I, like we have no way of really validating that. Um, but they haven't developed pitching. They haven't won at all in the playoffs. 18 and 21 uh, were disasters. And like you said, they mismanaged th- those playoff games. So like, I think they've done a decent job, but I just don't get this idea that like they're untouchable, you know, again, I don't think they should be fired, but I do think it should be a situation where you have like one more year to prove that you can develop pitching and win in the playoffs. Like that's not unreasonable. They haven't won a single playoff game. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is again, this is their fifth year. I said six year earlier. This is their fifth year, but like, why is it in a lot of markets that would be totally unacceptable. Right. And they would be getting ripped all the time. Well, yeah. Yes. Because the last two years, their handling of their pitchers in the playoff games has been awful. Yeah. And they and started again, like, Randy Dobnik in Yankee Stadium. They might as well have started Declan Goff. And like he had no chance. This, these critiques are not are not personal. Like, I, I feel like we have a thing here and I do this, too, all the time. Where I say he's a really nice guy. I really like him as a guy. But blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like. Who, who cares? Like, Falvey and Levine do seem like nice guys. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. You're evaluating their pub, their, their performance in as 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 public figures. That's it, right? And, and I think their performance has been pretty spotty. I think it's been pretty up and down. Um, and I just – I think we all should acknowledge that, and that's okay. Just because they're nice guys doesn't mean we can't say you've d- done a bunch of stuff wrong, you know? But it, 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 That just drives right. me nuts. It drives me nuts. But I'm willing to cut them slack. But I want them to learn. Right. And I'm getting the feeling more and more that this organization doesn't learn from its mistakes, which is very weird because they're very inquisitive. They ask a lot of questions. I'm told they involve a lot of people, which is great. Um, So there's certainly opinions uh, flying around, which is, you know, fine. That being said, I guess I look at what they've done. And my question is, what have you learned? And which, which is why I'm also curious if you trade Rogers what have you learned there? What do you get back? I am underwhelmed by when they have traded the returns. And I mean, the fact that they still don't completely trust Alcala, for instance, who right now should be a lights out guy like that. That trade should have resulted in the return of a lights out guy who's pitching right now. And against against lefties, he struggles big time. Uh, he's got some potential still, but he's in his mid 20s. We're past the point of potential. So that's my question. What have you learned? And if you never learn, then you can't be employed long term. It's just not going to work. So, and if you don't have any check on you, then you have you yeah. don't have as much motivation to learn. You're right. You know. You're yeah. right. All right. Happy All Star Game, Shohei Otani, yes. Home yeah. Run Derby should be great fun. Lance Lynn, I'm told, not happy. Otani is going to start. I think he thinks he should start. I love mm. Lance Lynn. What a piece of work he, he is. <laughs> All right. We are done. See you, Jake. Thank you, Declan. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. 
And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.